Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today we're going to be delving into elves in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Now, in 5e, there are a lot of kinds of elves, and for today's episode, we're going to focus exclusively on high elves and wood elves, the kind of normal, basic elves, um, the more common elves. Um, for drow, I have a future episode planned that will focus on underdark races, so we'll talk about drow in more detail then. As for the sea elves, I have a future episode planned focusing on them as well as the tritons for your water aquatic races. And uh, the Eldrin and Shadar Kai, I have planned for a future episode focused on uh, races that dwell primarily in other planes. So we'll talk about them as well as the two varieties of gith. So for today, just high elves and Wood elves, your main elves, most elves that your players will encounter as non-hostile NPCs will be these two kinds of elves. Um, elves have a very strong stereotype to them about them being very uh, hoity-toity. <laughs> the elves have this... this idea of themselves is how amazing they are how great they are how powerful they are and that is going to be a big focus of this episode today both for player characters and for using them in your world as a dm because that aspect of the elven character is both a very powerful tool to use to give your elves personality and also, ignoring that and having your elves not have that personality trait can also make it for very memorable elf characters. So we're going to kind of, a lot of what we're going to focus on is having that trait to your elven characters and also specifically not having it. Um, but we'll start with player characters. Elves, elven adventurers are honestly pretty common in... Um, Tome of Foes, or not Tome of, yeah, Tome of Foes, they talk about, they have a lot of really good tables for story hooks for different playable races, and they talk about, you know, elves believing that the secret to reuniting elven races is somewhere out in the world. In Tome of Foes, if you have access to it, it goes into a lot of detail about the schism of the elves and their old gods and why the drow are in the Underdark and... It's crazy. Um, that book has a lot of really good information for that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of good story hooks for elves, and that's the one that really like uh, st stands out to me is that very first hook that you believe that the key to reuniting the elves with Corellian lies somewhere in the wider world. So you have these elf characters that are going out into the world to experience it. And elven adventurers in um, the, the Player's Handbook, it talks about elves take up adventuring out of wanderlust. And they're so long-lived that an elf can be like, well, why wouldn't I want to see the whole world? I have time to do it. You know, Elves live to be upwards of a thousand years old. So 
an elf care for a human it's like well yeah i want to go on adventures but i also want to do something to leave a lasting mark and build something elves have time to do both elves can build something in the first couple centuries of their lifetime and then go off to adventure for a couple centuries and then come home and go back to building something lasting in their home for a couple more centuries you know so maybe your elf character is a new adventurer maybe you have a young elf that is that wants to see the world and experience as much as they can and that's their priority or maybe you have an older elf who's you know spent four or five hundred years doing something meaningful in their home and they're like well I've done everything I can do here. I want to see the wider world. Or maybe you have an elf character that goes out and adventures for 100 years and then goes home for 100 years and stays with his family and his people and works with the elves. And then after 100 years, they're up and like, all right, I'm going to go back out for adventuring for 100 years. And they just have this cycle to their life. Um, as for personality, we can talk about that aspect of elves thinking very highly of themselves and if you have an elf character in your party that if you're if you're on good terms with the other players in your party you can have an elf character that really just talks down to everyone that's not an elf you know they're just like oh well you're just a dumb dwarf you wouldn't understand so i guess i'll try to explain it to you or you just have this this elf character that's just he's like elves are inherently good they don't they aren't with the exception of drow and Maybe the Shadrach, I haven't really read into them yet, but they are inherently good creatures, high elves and wood elves at least, and they, but they have this, this chip on their shoulder of elven superiority, so having a character that's like, yeah, I want to help you, but I want to help you understand why elves are better and why you need me. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm going to be an, a, a great part of your adventuring party, but the whole time I'm going to talk about how I'm the best because I'm an elf. <laughs> so you can have this kind of just, like, really valuable, annoying prick of a character. <laughs> or you can take that superiority in another direction. You don't have to be a superiority complex character that is annoying about it. Um... One thing to look at is the real historical aspects of chivalry. Um, chivalry is a code. People that had horses and carried weapons were had privilege and power over people that were that didn't. And that's really what chivalry is about. It's about I'm in this position of I have this this power, this privilege. I need to make sure I don't hurt people with it. And maybe that's how you build your elf. Your elf character believes that because he or she is an elf that they are above non-elves and as a result it is their duty to help them and take care of them and treat them well and don't let their elven superiority hurt the non-elves that they adventure with and experience in cities um another way to look at elves is to completely take away that elven superiority have elves be a humble race you know they've been around for a long time and they live for a very long time and you have these elves that have seen the accomplishments of other races and you're like well humans don't live nearly a quarter as long as we do 
but they can build amazing things in their lifetime. So the, the elves just have respect for these less long-lived races and that respect is born of the these other people's ability to achieve in their short lifetimes. You know, a human lifetime what in in a fantasy setting is not usually going to surpass 70ish years. And to an elf, an elf lives in the player's handbook, they're like, yeah, like 700 years. So a tenth the duration of an elf's lifetime is a human. And so your elves, they look at these humans and they're like, yeah, by the time they live their entire lives, my children aren't even grown yet. Like, I had a I had a human friend who had a baby the same year I had my baby, and their baby lived their entire life in the time that my child was still considered a child. Because I talk about in the player's handbook, elves aren't generally don't consider themselves adults and full adults until they're a hundred. So it's like, yeah, a human lifetime is less time than it takes an elf to mature into an adult and find their place in society. And the elves just look at that and like, that's insane. They live such short lives. But they they strive to do so much with them, and you can turn that into a level of respect that the elves have for the other races. Um, and yeah, it just that's really elves, elven traits. Elves are crazy. <laughs> um, all elves get plus two dexterity. They get dark vision. They have proficiency in perception. They have advantage on saving throws against being charmed, and they can't be put to sleep with magic. They can long rest in four hours because they go into a trance instead of actually sleeping, and they are semi awake. <laughs> um, that's just your. That's all elves. All elves have that, and that's crazy because elves are really powerful. I think. Um. High elves get extra intelligence, elven weapon training. Uh, they get to learn one cantrip from the wizard spell list. They get a bonus language of their choice. Wood elves get wisdom plus one, weapon proficiencies, increased walking speed, and they can hide even when they're only lightly obscured by foliage, heavy rain, falling snow, mist, and other natural phenomena. So el wood elves are your are going to be, I think, generally your more martial elven classes. Um, elves are a good, pretty balanced race. You can really build them into anything, which D&D &D 5e makes it very easy to build a, any race into any class. But from my just paging through the book, my... I would go for whether you're wood elf, ranger, or uh, rogue or monk. Um, <clears throat> with with high elves, I would go for that uh, the extra intelligence, the weapon training. What else do they have? The extra cantrip. Um, the high elves, good wizards, good clerics, good paladins, even. Um, their martial weapon training and extra languages. They're just... Elves are cool. Um, for elf characters, 
I feel like I'm just going to reiterate, you know, talking about having them be full of themselves. And you can turn that into they're a prick or you can turn that into they are kind and helpful. And, you know, your, your other player characters might still get annoyed by them. But it's not, you know, like a, oh, whatever, you're not an elf, you're stupid kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to using elves in your world. Elves have the potential to be very powerful, dynamic aspects of your world or very subtle aspects of your world. You know, you can take the... Like, in Lord of the Rings, the elves are this, like, mystical, powerful race. But a lot of people go their whole lives without ever seeing them because they just kind of do their elven things in their forests and their valley cities and just kind of keep to themselves. And that's something they talk about in uh, the Player's Handbook, about the wood elves being generally more mistrusting of other... Of non-elves. Um, yeah, they're the... In, in Faerun, they talk about wood elves being reclusive and distrusting of non-elves. And that's something that you can really uh, play into with your world. You can have the high elves be a part of the interracial, international society, and the wood elves not. You know, people... If someone meets an elf in their lifetime, most likely it's going to be a high elf because the high elves come into the city and they they uh, get jobs. They become advisors. They become teachers. They become, you know, some of them are merchants. And But the wood elves, the wood elves, they stick to themselves. Um, I had an idea for a campaign world where non-human races are uncommon and... Most humans go their lives without ever seeing a non-human. And one of the ideas I had for it, excuse me, was the high elves, they live in a valley and for a long time, no one's, like people know like, oh, that's the, there's a valley in the mountains where the high elves live, but they don't leave their, their valley and no one goes there. They don't let anybody in and they don't leave. They just... They have separated themselves from the world. So that's one idea you can do with your elves. And you can do this with high elves or wood elves, really, is that the elves have, because they believe themselves on a higher level of existence, basically, than non-elves, you can have elvens, elven cities and elven nations be separated from the world. And, you know, they're, they're, they're secluded and they keep to themselves and they, they don't intermingle with the lesser races. They just hide away in their towers and mountains and valleys and forests and just stick to themselves and are like, yeah, we're, we're here because maybe there's something magical there. You know, maybe the elves live in this particular valley because there's a connection to the Feywild there. So they live there so they can be closer to their home and their plane of origin. Um, as for what else, for this low magic world I was talking about, I had planned on the Wood Elves being um, living in one forest. There's like an elf wood, 
And if you're traveling from a city on one side of the elf wood to a city on the other, you go around because you don't go in, you don't go through the elf wood. You know, the elves there are not hospitable towards intruders. And, you know, for my campaign, I was thinking at one point, oh, they'll meet a wood elf character that will, they, like, they need to help, the wood elves need help with something, and there's a wood elf NPC that convinces his king that this group of adventurers, this group of human adventurers are more than meets the eye and can help them. And so the party gets to, gets invited to go into the elves wood and see the wood elf city and they're the first mortals in a hundred thousand years or maybe not a hundred thousand, but hundreds of years, thousands of years that have ever been invited in, you know, maybe there's like a legend of a legendary hero from human history that was friends with the wood elves. And he was the last human to go into the wood elf city or the high elf city. And you can just have your elves, you know, be open to and accepting of exceptional individuals, but not the common rabble you know commoners aren't going to be visiting the elven cities and if you want to do that kind of thing in your campaign world and have the elves only be open to accepting exceptional individuals you could almost put like a level gate on it you know until your characters reach like tier three of play they're not going to be able to be welcomed into the elven cities because they're going to say, well, they aren't elves, and they haven't really done anything special. But then, oh, excuse me. Your characters get to, you know, 10th, 11th level, and by then they've started making a name for themselves, and they've done some exceptional feats and slain some exceptional monsters. Um, like, my characters are level 11 right now in my campaign, and they have defeated a vampire lord that was going to take over... Uh, a nation. They have saved two villages now that were being tormented by hags, and people know. People are starting to know who they are. So by the time you hit that level, your characters have made a name for themselves. So the elves will be like, "Yeah, okay, these non-elves are obviously a cut above other non-elves, and as a result, they're closer to elves than everybody else. So we'll we'll give them a chance to see our world, but." There's still, you know, barriers. You know, they can't go certain places. They can't talk to certain people. They're being watched by the guard all the time because they don't trust them. And that's a really that's a really good way to make your elves have this uh, superiority complex. And then beyond that, you it's on you as the DM to decide that how that superiority manifests in personality. You know, are your elves really like they're just pricks that think really highly of themselves and talk down to everyone or are they humble and yeah they think they they know they're better than everybody else but they don't treat other people badly they treat them well because they're like well because we're so much better than them, we have to be a be a good example of how to act so the elves you know are they good are they full of themselves there's a lot of different ways to turn that superiority complex into dynamic characters and you don't even have to have it be all elves are a certain way you know even if you they go even if your characters you can have it be different nations like there's one high elf nation that is really annoying and like oh well elves are so great and 
you're not. But we'll help you anyways. And then there's another high elf nation, you know, on the other side of the continent that is very gracious and helpful. And, you know, they yeah, they think they're better than everybody else. But they invite people into their cities to teach them things and to help them improve and to take care of them. And, to, you know, they, they muster their army to defend the lesser races because they believe, you know, that's their job. Like, we're elves. We're better at everything. So it's our duty to take care of these lesser races and protect them and help them. So you can really... And even you can also take it all the way down to just an individual basis. Like, maybe one of you, one specific elven NPC is a huge prick and then another one is really nice and helpful and kind. And you can just really... It helps you to give your elves a lot of personality. Elves as a race, I feel like, get um, kind of turned into cliches where all the elves are one way. And one of the problems with it, at least in D&D, is that they don't, we aren't given multiple elven cultures outside of the sub-races. You know, there's cultural standards that pretty much all elves have. And then High Elf, Wood Elf, and and Sea Elf, their cultures their, are almost identical. Um, the Drow have their own thing going on. The Shadarkai and Eladrin have their own thing going on. But really, the Elves, a lot of the time, get turned into they're all the same way. You know, you go to an Elven city, and every Elven NPC is pretty much indistinguishable from each other because they're all the same they'll act the same they'll be the same and if you do that in your game you can purposefully do that to make a specific elven character who is who breaks the mold stand out more so what so you have your characters go to an elven city and all the elves are really like disdainful of them and they're so prideful so they don't they look down on them but then there's one elf that is maybe a shopkeeper or a guard or a noble just one elf that is very gracious and helpful and good and treats them well and you can really make that one character really stand out as a good character, as a helpful NPC. Another way is to do it the opposite way. Have all have most elves be, you know, helpful to the lesser races, if you will. And then have one elf character who maybe you want to paint as a villain, question mark, who is has that pridefulness. And he looks at the other elves being helpful to your human dwarf gnome halfling party and thinks that they're they don't understand their gifts like they have the, an elven villain who wants to radicalize the elves because he thinks the elves helping and intermingling with all the other races is shameful i don't know i think that could make for an interesting character maybe not a villain villain but definitely an antagonist um, not someone your party's going to fight in combat, but someone they're going to butt heads with and have to deal with. Maybe that, that could be like a role-playing enemy, you know, rather than we're not, you're not going to fight this person with swords and spells. You're going to fight this person with role-playing. 
and that could make a very, very cool character. Um, another way to touch on elves is to have elves that don't have that superior complex at all and have elves just be part of society. And that's a really good way to build a world where the races all live together. Um, one of my players is working on a campaign. He wants to run where the, the capital city is mixed. In, in his capital city, though, the elves, they, uh, they, they are, they have their own district and they're very, uh, we're better than everybody else, but you could take that a different direction, that same idea and have the city where all the races live together and the elves don't think of themselves above everybody else. They think they're all equals. And you have elves that are, you know, they have these powers, but they don't use them to pull themselves above. Um, having elves really be distinct and not have a little bit of a superiority complex is definitely a difficult task to tackle. But I think if you can do it in a way that your players enjoy and is memorable for them, it will very much stand out in your game. You know, if you have players that have multiple groups that they play D&D with, and yours is the only one where elves are not holier-than-thou, uh, self-righteous, we're-so-great characters, That's gonna they're going to remember that. That's going to stand out to them. You have this world where elves are just part of the tapestry. You know, they're not this special, high, amazing, close-to-the-gods race. They're just part of the world, and they fit into it. And your players are going to remember that. They're going to be like, that was weird. It was different. It was strange. It was not what I expected. And that's really what you want to give your players. You want to give them something that they don't expect. And not that giving them, meeting their expectations won't make for a bad game, but introducing concepts and themes and characters that they don't expect will absolutely help to be memorable and you can you have a great opportunity with elves to do that because elves are so often portrayed a certain way or in in, in the same vein of that certain way that you can by breaking that and going away from that, playing an off-character elf, having your elves be against type in that way will make it stand out, and your players will probably thank you for it. Um, the, the risk of that is you risk having the races not be distinct. Um, in the game I'm running right now, it takes place in a large, sprawling empire that has stood for a millennia, and as a result, <clears throat> there aren't individual nations of different races. The races all live together. So when when the characters go to a town, I'm not really paying attention to what race everybody is because in this world, they all live together. You know, I was like, oh, this character should be a dragonborn because I feel like it. <laughs> this character is an elf because I feel like it. And when you do that, you kind of lose i feel like i've lost some of the individuality of the races because my players are going to a town and it doesn't matter what race the characters are because it's not a distinctive part of their personality and who they are because 
that's just not the world this takes place in. And I feel like I've kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit with that because I haven't given myself an opportunity to make a character very memorable because of their racial, like the personality traits that come with their race. But at the same time, I feel like I've created a world where those stereotypes about how the different races of D&D act and behave aren't met. And it's okay because it creates a more, I don't know, diverse, you can be really diverse in individual places. And it all comes from, I'm kind of getting into everything, not just elves, but elves, I feel like, are a race that very much gets stuck in that. More so even than, maybe not dwarves. Dwarves probably get shafted into stereotypes more than anybody else, but elves are probably a close second, followed probably by halflings. Halflings probably come third. But... Um, you can subvert that expectation. Make your elves not hoity-toity. Have your characters meet an elf character, the first elf character they meet in a game. And your characters are going to go into that encounter, that role-playing encounter, thinking, oh, this guy is going to talk down to us, he's going to be really full of himself, and just have this elf that's not like that. An elf that's humble, an elf that's kind and helpful and views them as equals and right away that first encounter that first experience with an elf will it will have an effect on your players i can't i guess i can't say that for certain that your players are gonna be like whoa that was cool that was different because i can't speak for every single person that plays D in the world but when i think about that encounter and how it would go with a party especially a party that is like new players, people that are new to D&D, but not new to fantasy. You know, people that have been around, that have played the Elder Scrolls and uh, Dragon Age. And so fantasy role-playing isn't something that is new to them, but tabletop role-playing in D&D is. They're going to have an idea of what elves are like because, you know, they've been playing the Elder Scrolls for a long time and the elves are really full of themselves and think they're so great. And then, boom, you introduce them to an elf that's not like that. That would be a really good memorable experience, um, because they're gonna just you're gonna immediately subvert their expectations, and that's going to engage your players. Um, having an elf that's not that really fits that type of elf right away, you know, early in the game you meet an elf NPC. He's important to the story, but he's just a stereotypical elf. That's going to hurt your player's immersion, I think, a little bit. Well, it's not going to hurt it, but they're going to go into it saying, oh, this is an elf. This is how I need to approach this character. This is how they're going to be. And if you meet those expectations, then they're just going to have a predisposed idea of how to interact with this NPC. Whereas if you take, if you subvert that expectation and you make your elf character very different, then what is normal then your character has to think okay so how do i need i don't know how to interact with this character i don't know how to get the information i need i don't know how to um talk to them in a way that is going to further our goals and then so your your, your players have to think about how they role play and how they how their characters would interact with that especially if because your character your players predisposed ideas about 
things are going to filter into their characters. Um, when you get like really experienced role players, it's a little bit better. They they keep they're better at keeping their personal ideas about fantasy races and fantasy encounters outside of their character. But newer role players don't. Newer role players are going to more often just kind of role play themselves in their character. So you can absolutely mess with them by having the elves not be full of themselves. Just that right away. Just have a character right away who doesn't talk themselves up all the time and treat people with disdain immediately will have your characters your players like thinking like oh this is different and that's really the goal the goal is to make memorable encounters and memorable games of D&D because we spend a lot of time and effort making these games come to life and making our characters come to life and the payoff is those fun memorable encounters and elves very much have the ability to do that the potential to be those memorable characters and you can do it what's cool about elves is you can absolutely do it without changing our ex well going against type you can go with type with elves and make them memorable and you can go against type with elves and make them memorable and that makes elves a very good race to put into your games as part of the world to have a dynamic effect on it. But this has been a very long episode. So uh, next week we're going to do, I think, Halflings. That's what I have written down for next week. So Halflings will be fun. Um, that's all I got. We'll have a good one. See you next time.